Amen. So while we're worshipping, I want to, want to sort of just put this on record as well. And I've seen this for a little while now, but I thought tonight I would kind of release it. But um, in the worship, we're, we're, we're starting to hear a new sound. And uh, I believe that God wants this new sound is going to be the sound of, of what we're coming into. And the, and the irony of this new sound is it is actually not new, but it's very old. I remember listening to these old worship albums from the late 60s and the 70s. And although they were quite raw, but they were really anointed. And God is going to do that again. He's going to bring back these kind of like old timey type. It's just like people with lots of harmony vocals, piano, a guitar and stuff. Very quite simplistic. But... They are songs from heaven. They're not like your average kind of like Matt Redman and stuff like that. These are these are literally nothing's wrong with Matt Redman. Please, I'm not saying that now. But um, but th these are songs literally from heaven. They're, and they're, and I and I saw there'd be like people just buying these albums with just these long kind of 45 minute pastiches of sound and songs and stuff because they are literally born of heaven. But through that sound, many people will like be healed saved, delivered, because of the anointing that will be on the recordings, not just in the cleverness of the production and stuff. And, and I think that's, that's, that's something that we're going to see more and more and more of. And, uh, and it excites me, right? I think it excites me that we're going to, because it's not just like we're singing songs, but actually we're participating in something where God is orchestrating the worship as well. And we join in with our high priest, Jesus, and we can sing back. And, uh, and his spirit is moving and it, it will bless us. Hallelujah. Amen. What's he on about? Right. OK. So, so this morning I was meditating on this verse here and it's from Psalm 119 verse 9. So I'll let you get your Bibles out. Psalm 119 verse 9. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Because you see, I'm excited about church going forward. I know it's going to be a rough time, but I'm excited about church going forward because God is going to do, well, it's not a new thing, it's an old thing, but the church has forgotten it. You know, I've, I've read books like what happened in the Azusa Street Revival. And basically, it was a similar kind of environment. Everyone was just praying and waiting on God. And then a sermon would come and someone would preach it. And if it wasn't from God, everybody knew and they told them to sit down. It was quite embarrassing. And, uh, but the glory of God was in the place. And it was the Holy Spirit had his church back again. And Holy Spirit was orchestrating it. The Holy Spirit was orchestrating the worship. And again, it, this is on record, but when uh, there was this famous lady, she became famous because of it, but she would play a piano and start singing in the spirit. And when everyone else would join her, it's like singing in the spirit. And it was reported by a lot of people that tongues of fire would literally shoot up from the building and then tongues of fire would come down from heaven and meet it in the air. I mean, such things that were going on there, just incredible. And God is going to be doing that again. God is going to be doing something wonderful. And so, brothers and sisters, you've got to start. We have stopped, got to start learning to walk more and more in the things of the spirit. Like when I get up now, I don't use notes. I have nothing. I have no idea even what I'm going to say. I have no idea even what's going to come out of my mouth. I just literally trusting what God is going to give me the words to say and I say them. And that's how it's got to be in these times that we're coming into. It's a complete reliance on the things of the spirit. It's walking in tandem with him. It's breathing in his breath and walking and speaking the words that he wants you to say. Because Jesus himself only did and said that which he heard the Father doing and saying. And that's, that's what God wants to mirror in his church. 
And the more we get used to it, letting go, let go, let go. So even this morning, you know, I was listening to the Spirit in the, ser- in the service and I was writing down some notes. And then at the second service, I was out there just taking a quick nap. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit said to me, yeah, I don't want you to use any notes because that's still a, still a, a, a way of hanging on to comfort zones. And God wants to bring us out of our comfort zones. Who's, who's ready to get out of their comfort zones? Ooh. Hallelujah. Ooh, it's a bit dangerous talk that is. You don't want to put your, I ain't putting my hand up. <laughs> okay, because, you know, God wants to get us out of our comfort zones. But when you come out of a comfort zone, it becomes the new comfort zone. Yeah, you just go, from, well, that was uncomfortable, but now it's, now it's the new normal. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to keep taking us out of those, out of the old and into the new. There's a new wineskin that, that we've got to step into. And there's a fresh wine and there's a fresh oil of the kingdom that God wants to impart to his church. And so to do that, we've just got to let go to the old things and the old ways and say hello to the newness of the spirit. You know, the word won't change or anything like that. And, and sometimes you'll just maybe if God's calling you to preach, you'll preach a very normal sermon. But if it's born of the spirit, it has an anointing to it. You know, I often like I've often I've often preached uh, and I'm still trying to encourage you. I've often preached messages which even though I'm, I'm hearing from the spirit and I'm just literally repeating what I'm getting. I'm sat here almost like I'm looking out like inside like a little car. And I'm looking out at everyone. And I'm thinking this is a really ordinary sounding sermon. But it's the anointing that comes with it. So when you do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, he will empower it because it says in Jeremiah 1.12 that he will watch over his word to perform it. And so the more that we do things God's way and the more we operate in the things of the Spirit, the greater the success of what God wants to do will come to, come to pass. Amen. So please be encouraged with that and, and start stepping out more you know whatever that looks like for you and whatever in whatever path that you're in so i wanted to look look at psalm 119 and we're going to look at verse 9 and i kind of wanted this to be your your cherry on the cake to your to your weekend to finish it off for the for the young people and and the the, the verse says how can a young man or young lady uh, keep his way pure and it says by keeping watch according to your words With all of my heart I have sought you, and do not let me wander from your commandments through ignorance nor by willful disobedience. How can a young man keep his way pure? Most Christians that end up becoming, you know, and this is not true of everyone obviously, but but most Christians that end up becoming the leaders of tomorrow and and various things, they genuinely got saved either when they were very young or in their teenage years. There tends to be, that's the most influential part of your lives. And so this is really important. Why is this important? Because the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he shall go and he will not depart from it. And if you've been brought up in the ways of the faith and you've come to faith early in your life, you have a head start, like a big head start over other people. Because God wants to do some wonderful things through you guys, but he also needs to warn you as well and show you that there's a, there's a good way that we have to walk in. And God wants us to walk in the path of purity. But the question here is, how can a young person keep their way pure? Yeah, Preachers are always telling you what to do, but they don't tell you how to do it half the time. Does that frustrate you? It's like, yeah, yeah, I I hear you, amen, but how? How do we do that? So how? 
Can a young person keep his way pure? And this is for all the oldies in the room as well. Hallelujah. We can keep our way pure as well. All right. How can a young man keep his way pure? And here's the answer. By keeping watch. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Bible here. By keeping watch on himself, according to your word, conforming his life to your precepts. Now this is a really important thing. By keeping watch on himself or herself. What does that mean? It means that we have to listen to the inner voice of who we are. Because, for example... I am always listening to my inner voice. So if somebody says something to me and I get that inside of my gut, okay, I don't just, I just don't, I don't just react and like, and get all funny about it. I, I have to stop myself and go, why did I react like that? What's going on inside of me? And is it pride? Is it arrogance? Is it, is it because I'm feeling threatened? Uh, and I have to ask myself those questions so I can determine how I should behave. Because if you don't ask yourself those kind of questions, you're going to be one of those people that just goes around reacting all the time, but never ever really goes beyond the, the shallow surface of, well, why, why, am I, why do I do what I do? God wants you to be a people that are listening to your inner voice so that you will actually think about, before you open your mouth, you think, why am I feeling like this? What's causing me to act like this? And then through that, you can put in the checks and balances from the word of God like, okay, I need to respond like this, or I need to respond like that. It's a part of maturity. It's a part of growing in the things of God. And I would say that's true of us oldies as well. Because you can get some oldies that can be really gnarly people, can't you? You say, okay, and it's like, well, but why? why are you being like that? Why are you thinking like that? It reminded me of once I was doing this gig, and you know, and uh, you know, bless him, but you get those people that matter what you do, you're wrong, all right? And so he, he was this, I don't know what it was, but he was working behind the bar and uh, we were supposed to get a free drink. So I think, I think we paid for it. And he's like, no, no, you're not supposed to pay for it. It's free. So I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry about that. It was just a misunderstanding. Yeah, but I said, yeah, but I'm really, really sorry. Yeah, but I'm really, it just wouldn't have it. No matter what I did, if I did this, if I did that, if I did this, it would not, it wouldn't, wouldn't budge, it wouldn't change. He was just going to be in a bad mood and that's the end of it. I don't want to give you a piece of my mind. God doesn't want Christians to be like that. He doesn't want you to be like that. He wants you, because when people are like that, they are bound and God doesn't want his people bound. He wants his people free. How can a young person keep his way pure? By keeping watch on himself according to your word. And so when you're thinking, why am I reacting the way that I'm thinking? You should be thinking to yourself, how would Jesus respond to this? What does the word say to this? What is the spirit saying to me? How should I respond? How should I reply? And through that, you can give the relevant answer because God wants in the days that we're coming into, he wants his people to be a righteous and holy people that don't react to provocation, that we're not a people who are reactionary, but we're actually proactive, that when you understand yourself, when someone slaps you on the cheek, you can turn the other cheek without wanting to give them a punch back because you've taken the time to deal with yourself. Keep watch on yourself. But according to what? According to God's word, conforming his life to God's precepts. I'm just going to go back to verse two now. 
And it says, blessed and favoured by God. All right. Anybody here want to be blessed and favoured by God? Yeah. Few at the back row, not really sure. You want to be blessed and favoured by God? Yeah, everybody, right? You'd be out of your mind. I, I want to be blessed and favoured by God. And here in Psalm 190, it's a great psalm. It tells you how to get blessed and favoured by God in three easy steps. You all ready for this? Step one. It says, blessed and favoured by God are those who keep his testimonies. In other words, live according to his ways. Live according to his word. The secondly, second one, sorry, is those who consistently seek him and third, that's right, and thirdly, long for him with all of their heart. So keeping God's testimonies, keeping God's word. Now I was preaching about this in the second service today, is I want to explain something to, to, the, to the young people about God's commandments. And I probably said this before, but I remember when I first got saved, um, you know, I was, I was trying to test the boundaries of how far I can go in this new Christian cage that I put myself in. I was like, what can I do? What can't I do? What can I do? And, then, and I was thinking, well, what about, you know, sex before marriage and all that kind of stuff? And I remember listening to this, this tape, because that's what we had in those days. I listened to this tape and it was basically told me, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And I was distraught. I was like, but, but I can't, what? I can't do anything. And, and it, it felt like this claustrophobic prohibition <laughs> but now let me tell you some wisdom okay because I get it now it's when God tells you like don't do that it's because not because God's trying to be a killjoy it's not because God's trying to give you a hard time and oh it's the narrow path and it's so hard and it's so arduous and so difficult God is trying to give you a life of purity and joy God wants you if you do things God's way there is blessing in it there is joy in it. There is favour in it. Yes, I know it can be hard, you know, resisting the temptation, etc. But God, if you choose to do it God's way, God will bless you. Hallelujah. Like take Bella and Zach. They chose to do something that just isn't done anymore. They, they couldn't date. They had to courtship, which meant poor old um, Lomax. <laughs> he was kind of like that third, third wheel in the room just hovering around in the background. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, just always there because it was for their good and for their benefit and they came to they came to marriage in a place of purity now the spirit is saying to me right now there may be some people here that's thinking but I have I'm not I'm not pure anymore because of things that I've done in my life well I've got good news for you when you say Jesus and you're really sorry Lord I'm sorry that I've done those things in my life please purify my heart please purify me God will do that for you so when you come to the marriage bed, you can be pure and undefiled. So it doesn't matter what mistakes we've made in our life because God is in the business of taking a mess and making it good. Amen. I reminded of this uh, program I watched once. It was kind of like one of those cheesy American something about an angel kind of program. It was a woman one and a woman angel. But anyway, let's not go there. Anyway, anyway, but in this particular episode, I'm digging a hole. This particular episode, it was about this guy uh, who, who like had a really, he'd just gone right off the rails and his life was a mess. Um, but then he come back into relationship with his father again and, and his father was a violin maker. And uh, he always wanted to make a violin for his son and he was a master craftsman. But the wood that they, they had, had a big mark. This wood, it was like, had this big stain on it. And, and, and it was a nasty imperfection. It was like, Ugh. But somehow, 
because of, you know, this angel was kind of involved saying, I think you should make, the, make it anyway, you know, even despite the wood, because obviously it's a parable. And so he made this like a Stradivarius type violin with this floor on the underside of it. And yet the instrument was one of the most beautiful that had ever been played. It was just beautiful. And it's a picture of God taking us with all of our blemishes and all of our failures in our life and turning it into something magnificent. But here's the irony, is God will still allow those failures to be seen. Why? Because it gives him the glory. And it shows that you are a token that was taken out of the enemy's camp and now you're a treasured possession. But you still have those marks on you so that everyone can see you're a treasure of grace. Hallelujah. Yeah? It made me cry personally, but you know, you can... Giving me an amen. Or Blessed and favoured are by God are those who keep his testimonies. So remember, when always remember this. Please always remember this. The commandments of God, it says in the letter of John, are not burdensome. And always remember this. that The commandments are not there to restrict you. They're there to give you freedom. They're there to actually give you more peace and more joy than you've ever had in your life before. I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I remember psychiatrists, they did, a, they did a, an experiment on children by putting them to uh, two fields. Put a load of kids in one field and loads of kids in another field. They had one field with no fencing around them and another field where there was a fence all around them. The kids that were in the field with no fence... They were miserable. They didn't do anything. They just sat there. They're crying for their mummy and stuff like that. But the kids inside the penned area, they loved it. They were all mucking around, playing and running all over the place. And it actually, for, for the psychiatrist, it showed that children, or all of us actually, need barriers. And in those barriers, there is joy. There is freedom and there is protection. But whereas those other children that had no barriers, they felt vulnerable, exposed, and it made them depressed and unhappy. And so when, when you look at God's word, think, oh man, this is so hard, it's a prohibition. It's not a prohibition. It's God's way of um, trying to say to us, guys, there's a better way. And if you walk in this way, you will have my blessings and my grace on you in all that you do, if you walk in my ways. And as I said today at the two o'clock service, you've got to be so careful because the legalist, the religious, <laughs> they were like, well, you know, you haven't done this commandment and you haven't done that commandment and all this kind of stuff. But you see, what is the first commandment? It is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. And Jesus says, if you love me in John 14, you will obey me. And if you have an obedience problem, it's just down to the fact that you have a love problem. That's why the first commandment is love God. Because if you can love God and you're on fire and passionate for him, everything else just falls into place. The commandments then don't become burdensome and they don't become prohibitions. They become prophetic statements. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not lie. You shall not do this. You shall not do that. Not that you can't do it, but now because of the, your love and your joy for God and his spirit in you, you don't have to worry because you won't do those things because if you love God, you won't do those things. I remember some famous theologian saying once, love God and do as you please. Like, oh, what a terrible thing to say. But then as I thought about it, actually, I got it. It's like, yes, it's a shocking statement, but I get what he's saying. If you love God, you will only want to do that which pleases him. Hallelujah. God is so good. Blessed and favoured by God are those who keep his testimonies. And the second one, again, this is from the Amplified Bible, who consistently seek him. 
You're on fire, right, you guys, ladies, right? You're on fire. You're full of the joy of the Lord, right? Because you had a weekend where actually you were, I don't know, willingly forced into certain situations where you, you all right, all right, Claire. No, no, no heckling at the back there, please. It's not the back bench. It's not Parliament. All right. <laughs> anyway, I've completely forgotten what I'm talking about. Uh, yes, yeah, so you guys, you've, you've come along to this weekend, but you've, you've consistently been seeking him. You've woke up in the morning, you've come downstairs and you've worshipped him. And you've put yourself in, in an environment where you're, you're being with each other, you're fellowshipping with each other. You're in a place of light, not the place of darkness. You're in a place of safety, you're in a place of joy, in a place of worship, a place of prayer, a place of the word. And it changes you and it, radic it radically lightens you and makes you strong in the Lord and fills you with his joy and makes you bold as lions. Do I get an amen? amen? That's right. That's what it does. That's how we get when we consistently seek the Lord. And that's why it's got to, you've got to be careful that you always have good Christian friends around you as well. This is not, this is not a walk for me, myself and I and God channel. This is, this is about the community of believers. We need each other. You know, I hear so many wonderful stories from the young people about how their lives have been transformed just by being in a youth group. You know, and what, obviously what God's doing there, but having that camaraderie, having that fellowship, being of like-minded people is really important for you and it will encourage you and keep you strong. And then the last one says, and long for him with all of their hearts. You know, um, let's quickly turn to Matthew 5, 8. Blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. Again, that's from the Amplified Bible. In case you go, what translations they are? Okay, it, it's basically those that long for God with all of their heart, that they wake up in the morning and they just desire God. And when they go to bed at night, they can't wait to wake up in the morning again to desire God. Every moment of their life, it's like, Jesus, I love you. And even when you're having a bad day, it's like, Jesus, I'm having a bad day, but I love you. And it's based on that hunger and that thirst for the living God. And if we seek after him, you know, it says in the Psalms that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore and we can drink of the rivers of delights and we can be full and overflowing of his spirit and that river of joy that's within us will just blah, 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 come out of your mouth and go into everywhere you go. You can go and splash people with the water of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. Like you did at the beach the other night. That was, that was good fun. Hallelujah. People are like, get that water off me. Ugh. But it was, it, was, it was exciting. It was good. So God will bless you and favour you if you keep his testimonies and consistently walk after him and long for him with all of your heart. If you do those three things for the rest of your life, you will do very, very well. And that is the secret to God's blessing you know, we hear a lot of churches preach about the blessing of God and uh, the prosperity of God. And there's truth. God does want to prosper his people. But there is a, there is a blessing 
and a walking God and, a, and an experience of God that you can have that far transcends the normal. God doesn't want you to experience normal. Normal is over. Normal is overrated. Normal is finished. Where we're going, we're going to a place where they're normal. Let me tell you something about what's coming in the things of the Spirit. Church is going to be a wild place. If you don't do wild, you're going to have a problem, right? Because church is going to be wild. I've been, I've seen it. I mean, I know what church was like back in the back in the good old days, and read about it. I remember I was at this conference one once, and uh, this guy he was like a Messianic Jew, and he kind of got saved during the height of the charismatic renewal in America. Okay, during the 70s, and uh, and, and we we were like at this Hillsong type church, and we we're like yeah, giving it all this and all that sort of stuff. And the first thing he said was, "Well, where I come from, that worship you've just done there." It's like Anglican worship. He said back in the day, he said the worship was so wild, so exuberant, and people were just praising and all out for Jesus. And God was moving and the Spirit was moving. That's what church is going to be like again. I mean, it's going to be literally, I remember the days we used to queue to go up to cinema. People are going to be queuing to get into church because it's like, man, I just want to get in the front row. Or I just want to get a seat because I want to experience the living presence of God. I don't know what God's going to do today, but I'm coming to church expecting that he's going to do some wild stuff and he's going to set people free and he's going to deliver the captives. There are going to be demons coming out of people. There are going to be people going to be set free. There are going to be people that will come to faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to hear the sound of heaven in the worship. I'm going to hear the sound of the spirit through the preaching and the teaching that's going to deliver and set people free we are coming into wild times and the, and the saints and the saints I've seen visions of the saints man they are crazy they are crazy people they're just so full of the spirit that they, they walk around like they're drunk because they're intoxicated in the things of the spirit and it's not irreverent either they are these people are oh they're so in love with Jesus they're just so taken up with him like oh I just love my Jesus and these people are like, blah, 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 like speaking in tongues all the time and I saw them with like a notepad just constantly jotting down revelations and things that they were getting from God these people were juggernauts of revelation coming from the kingdom of heaven and they were unstoppable Oh, hallelujah. And these were young people. I mean, they were radical for Jesus. I've seen um, in visions both young and old. But, but be prepared, church. Be prepared for when you come to worship that it's just going to be wild and zany and people going, ah, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's just going to get out of control, but in a godly way. We are coming into new seasons, new times. The old ways are done. You can't afford to be English reserved where we're going. In fact, you, you won't even have to worry about that because where we're going, it will change you inside to out. So as you change on the inside, your physical body is going to demonstrate the reality of what's going on on the inside. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And I want to end with this one verse, which seems like a peculiar verse. And it says, I shall keep your statutes, in verse 8, do not utterly abandon me. What a, that seems an odd thing to say. He's talking about how God loves him and all this kind of stuff and how God's word is so good. But he says, I shall keep your statutes, do not utterly abandon me when I, when I fail. And this is something that we need to see about the word of God. Is you can look at the word from two points of view. You can look at it from a very cold black and white legalistic point of view or you can actually see the father heart of God in this I'll give you an example and I'll finish with this my wife absolutely love her to bits yeah she's apart from Jesus she is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life she really is I just love her I know how much I love her because when I the first time when I died the first thing I said to her when I, when I come out of my coma was 
I love you. <laughs> yeah, point for me there. Um, anyway, I was heavily un induced with drugs, mind. Um, but I've often said to her, you know, because I'm a difficult man to live with, I'm a bit of a space head a lot of the times, and I'm like, Tracy, please don't ever leave me. Please, please don't ever, ever leave me. Because I love her so much, and I don't want her to not be in my life. I absolutely love her so much. I'm like, Tracy, please don't leave me. She's like, shut up. Okay. <laughs> And this is the heart of the psalmist here. God, please don't leave me. Please don't abandon me. Well, of course God isn't going to do that. But he's speaking about his love for his Father in heaven. Lord, please, I love you so much. Please don't ever abandon me. Please don't ever leave me. That's the context. It's not like, oh, I'm going to leave you because you haven't obeyed my commandments. It's actually, the psalmist is declaring, Lord, please, I love you so much. And I know you love me so much. Please don't ever leave me. How can a young person keep their way pure? By keeping watch according to your word. Amen. Amen. Amen.